Yes, people, and welcome to episode 25 of the Trading Lever podcast. I'm your host, Steve Boxman. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dave, from Boxing First. Dave, how are you, mate? I hope you're as buzzing for this fight as I am, because you know I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, you've been hyped for this one. You know my big one's coming up, but I, this one's still absolutely massive, isn't it? The, the end of this year, considering we're just coming out of the pandemic, really, and it's just really surprised me the, the amount of fights we're getting, and they just seem to be adding them all the time, so... Brilliant time to be a boxing fan right up until the end of the year. So long may it continue. It's good times. Yeah, Dave, before before we talk about the actual fight, Crawford against Porter, um, and how we think that fight's going to go, I just want to look at the, the careers of both guys up to now. Now, of course, uh, Porter's spent his career at welterweight, whereas Crawford, he, he's been coming up through the weights. Um, and he, he's had a lot of stick about his career so far at 147 pounds. So I, I want to start with Porter. And when you think Porter, th th there's a few things that come to mind. You think it's a man who he's always going to come to fight. It's a man who's going to be rough in there. And it's a man who's always going to be competitive. And, and that's something that Porter's been throughout his whole career. And you look at his resume and you look at the fighters he's fought. He's fought Errol Spence. He's fought Keith Furman. He's fought Ugas. He's fighting Crawford now. He, so many, Kel Brook. You could add so many more to that list. He, he's pretty much fought all of the welterweights that he possibly could have fought. And you can't say that for, for many fighters in their era um, going in and always willing to, to take a challenge and always willing to get in there with the best. So you've got to give credit to him for that. And like I said, Dave, he's always been competitive. Um, he's got a win over Ugas. Of course, a, a lot of people feel he was quite fortunate with that one. Um, he, of course, beat Daddy Garcia as well to become a two-time uh welterweight champion and of course he's had close fights and competitive fights with the likes of Keith Furman, um, Errol Spence and, and Kel Brook so his resume is not one to mess around with is it Dave it's a brilliant resume yeah 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 if it, it you know if you give somebody else that resume they'd be over the moon with it but exactly like you said you can't help but put some respect on Porter's name because you don't really see him mouthing off or anything like that he doesn't talk bad about any fighters he just gets in there and does his job, and that's what you want from a fighter. We always say it, that the undefeated records mean nothing if you're not facing people. So three close losses, which you know, all of them was very close. Like you say, he had the Ugas one, and maybe he was old one. You know, he has had three very, very close defeats against three high-level fighters. But people seem to put that first when they speak about Porter, which is wrong, really, because... He's much more than just them three defeats. He, he, you know, former world champion, still very much a, a solid operator. And I think we're going to see that Saturday night. But wins over the likes of Malinaji, Devin Alexander, Berto, like you said, Danny Garcia. He has got some names on his resume. But when people are talking about how he'll do against Crawford, they're saying, well, he, he might do all right because he only lost close to Spence. He's like, fuck that. He's, got, he's a good fighter in his own, right? So... I like him. I like his attitude. I like, you know, like you said, you know what you get with him. You know he's going to be head first. You know he's going to put, you know, the physical advantages that he's got at that weight. He's going to use them. And, and, and who wouldn't, to be fair? But he, he's always going to turn up. He's not going to shy away from a challenge. And like I said, that in, on, on itself, he's, he deserves a lot of respect. I like him. Yeah, that's it, David. Look, when you think of pound for pound fighters, you don't think of Sean Porter. 
But like you said, Dave, you, you know what you're going to get with him. And he's always going to be competitive. And that's what makes this fight interesting because, of course, we're talking about Bud Crawford and we're talking about his resume at £147. And people are intrigued to see now what Crawford could do against Porter. And if he knocks him out, something that somebody uh, nobody has done before, that's going to be no mean feat, Dave. And like I said, Crawford, uh, Porter is always competitive in his fights. Even when he loses, he's always in those fights. And with a little bit more, he could have won those fights. So, listen, that's, that's what makes this one intriguing for me. A lot, Not a lot of people are going to back Porter to win. But there's, regardless of, of whether you think Porter has a chance or not, there's, there's a lot of intrigue in this fight, Dave. And look... There's not many. There's not many welterweights who can boast an amateur win over um, Alexander Usyk, is there? So, <laughs> I know they were. I know they was young, but when you think about it now, when you think Usyk, heavyweight champion, unified heavyweight yeah, champion, yeah. Crawford, uh, Porter still fighting 147 pounds. Bloody mental, amateur yeah. or not, it's crazy to think he holds that win. Absolutely mental. Anthony um, Joshua should give him a bell. And <laughs> that's <laughs> how he does it. <laughs> that's it, Dave. But look, in in terms of Crawford, look, we said it already. He, he, his his resume at 147 pounds is heavily criticised. Um, he hasn't fought the names that we would have liked to have seen him fight yet. And look, we we could sit here and go through the reasons why. Um, but when you look at his career as a whole, and it, it, do you think that people are a little harsh on his resume as a whole, Dave? When you think he's he's a freeweight world champion, he's an undisputed champion at 140 pounds, he's a ring champion at 135 and 140 pounds. He's achieved a lot. And yes, his resume at 147 pounds can be improved. And this Porter fight is definitely one that's going to be top of that list. And But he has got good wins on his resume. Some of the wins coming through and that don't quite get the respect they deserve because they wasn't against... The, the, the glamorous fighters, but he, he's beaten some quality fighters, some, some real good fighters. And I think sometimes people can be a little too harsh on that resume because of, of what we've seen so far at £147. Now, he's gone through everyone he's fought. He, he's knocked them all out, Dave. He's stopped them all. But, of course, we haven't seen Errol Spence. We haven't seen Sean Paul. We haven't seen Ugas. We haven't seen Furman. But it's not through the fact of him not wanting these fights, is it, Dave? So do you think that people are a little harsh on Crawford when it comes to his resume? Yeah, I do, especially considering that it, it all points at the 147 division. You can't really fault him at 140, 135. You can't fault that because he did good things down there. But he's not finished at 147 yet, so we just need to slow down a bit. Obviously, we're all desperate. Everybody who's watching this show now, everybody who's a boxing fan wants the fight, the Spence versus Crawford, but that... That problem comes from two sides. It's not just Crawford running away. We know what it is and we know why it's caused. But you can't just point at his 147 division and say Crawford's this, that and the other. I remember when he came across and fought Ricky Burns. Now, Burns is a good, good, solid fighter. Obviously, always fought in Britain, so didn't really get the name. And, and he'd had that sort of controversial win over Beltran in his last outing, that split decision win, which many felt, including draw, me. It was, it was a, oh, draw, it was a split decision it? draw, it was, they it was, you right. Yeah, they, they couldn't rob him any more than that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Beltran should have won the fight, but you talk Ricky Burns had some decent wins. Kevin Mitchell, Katsidis, Roman Martinez, he, he wasn't a mug. And he comes over, away from home, 
which is never easy for anybody to come and, and, and beat a champion because you're already down on the cards and he blasts Ricky Burns. So straight away I saw that fight. I was like, this fucking kid's real. You know, and that seems like forever ago now. But then he goes on, snatches Gamboa's undefeated record. Gamboa's solid fighter. Beat Beltran, who arguably beat Burns. Beats Victor Postel in a fucking brilliant fight. An absolute war of a fight. I love that fight. Beats Indongo. Moves up. Beats Jeff Horn. Beats Benavidez, both undefeated fighters. Beats Mean Machine. Mean Machine had a good name behind him, and we've seen him, how good Mean Machine is. He's a solid fighter. But he's just missing the cherry on the cake. And at 147, and we've got to hope that Sean Porter opens the gate to that cherry. And, and, and I'm sure that that's what will be going through Crawford's mind that this is his chance. He's got to seize it, and he's got to make noise about it, and then. The, the pressure will be there to make that fight. If it doesn't get made after this, assuming Crawford wins, if it doesn't get made after this, it's never getting made. That, that's it. It can't be any more needed than right now. It, yeah, it's, it's running away from us. We're gonna, I want to talk about that um, in a little while, Dave. There's a couple of other things I want to discuss first. But you made a good point about the, the Ricky Burns fight. And I think that fight in particular, particularly the Scottish fans, I think, he won a lot of fans over over here. Yeah. Like you said, coming away from home and, and going to, to someone's backyard, as they say, and, and taking a title away from, away from them isn't easy. As you see, the, the fight before Beltron got robbed, it's not easy yeah. to go away. And you have to be completely dominant to be able to do that. And of course, he was brilliant that night against Burns. And I think he won the respect of a lot of UK fans. And... People will always remember him over here for that. And that's why I think a lot of UK fans have taken to Terence Crawford because of the way he came over and the way he handled himself to get that. That's his first world title as well, Dave. To come yeah. and win your first world title away from home <laughs> with such it's a Scotland. performance. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was brilliant, Dave. And like I said, the, the UK fans have, have taken to him because of that win. And look, he, he's gone on to achieve brilliant things. And he can achieve even better things if he's given the opportunity. And this is the thing. And look, we won't put it all on one side. I'm not going to sit here and say the only reason he's not got those fights is because all of those fighters are fighting for PBC. Obviously, that's a big reason, Dave. But responsibility has got to come from his side as well. And I don't yeah. mean Terence Crawford in particular. We know Terence Crawford is not ducking anyone. There is no way anybody can tell me Terence Crawford would not step in the ring with Errol Spence. He would not step in the ring with Ugas. He would not step in the ring with Keith Furman. Nobody can tell me that because he's absolute bollocks yeah. if they do, Dave. It's not true. <laughs> he would get in the ring with anyone at 147 pounds. But Bob Arum, top rank, they've got to take a big chunk of that responsibility as well for not being able to, to get him those fights. They've been able to get Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder, so they can make fights with PBC. I know we don't see as many fights as what they could have in the past, but they can make fights, and we've seen that. And I know PBC probably want, want that to be an even bigger fight and build it up and so on as well. But look, both sides have got to take responsibility on that front. And of course, yes, all these competition is coming on the PBC side, but look, his side have got to take responsibility as well. And this, this, listen, after this fight, Dave, I don't, regardless of what happens, we, we, we know it's his last deal. Uh, it's his last fight on his deal with top rank. So what does he do following this? If, if, if he beats Porter and he re-signs with top rank and they don't get in the Spence fight, he's only got himself to blame for that, in my opinion, yeah. Dave. But if he beats Porter... And, and they can promise him and they can get him that Spence fight, then, of course, it, it would be within his rights to stay loyal to them because he's been paid very well by them. 
for the level of fighters he's beaten, uh, been beaten at welterweight. The Amir Khans, the Kel Brooks, who are not in the best um, stage of their yeah. career. So he's got a big decision to make following this fight. And of course, it, we're going to have to see uh, where it goes from, from, from there, Dave, and what he decides to do. But look, I do want to talk a little bit more about Porter as well. And of course, we've mentioned some of the fighters he's been in there with, Dave. And look, there's quite a few fights that I could think of that I really enjoyed watching with Porter. Sometimes he can make it an ugly watch, but he's been in some real crackers. Um, one in particular for me, his fight with Keith Furman. Absolutely loved yeah. that fight. He was on the wrong end of the decision there, but that was a close fight. But it was some brilliant action. One of the best welterweight fights you would have seen in the last 15, 20 years, if I'm being honest, Dave. But if you had to say your favourite Sean Porter fight, would it be that or, or or have you got another one that comes to mind? No, you've got to go with Thurman. I think both him and Thurman are at very similar levels. They're just below the top two. If it wasn't for Crawford and Spence, you'd expect the likes of Thurman and Porter to be ruling that division and be there or thereabouts. So he was very equally skilled and, and it showed on the night Thurman... He, he's a fighter as well, he's a warrior, he's, he's aggressive, he, he loves to tear up, and so does Porter, and when you put that together, you're you guaranteed the fireworks with guys. Phenomenal fight, and I think a loss didn't do Porter any harm there, because he showed what he's about, and, and like you say, and we've said it already, he, he doesn't lose massively, he doesn't lose in, in a bad way, he comes out looking well because he gives his all and, and his all is either good enough or, or nearly good enough. He's been nearly three times, so that was a very, very good fight. It's a shame, I know it's a bit veering off subject, that Thurman sort of has gone into the wilderness a bit post-Pacquiao because he's still very much got a, a shout at that division and can be in some very entertaining fights as well. What he's doing, you know, you just don't know where he's at, is obviously he's had the Pacquiao paycheck and maybe that's, that's part of the reason we're not seeing him as active as we'd like but yeah that was a great fight and props to both men because they both brought it and and like i said about porter before he's not disrespectful he, he could have felt very hard done by and spat his dummy out and, and you know started saying things that classy fighters don't and he is a classy fighter yeah that that was a brilliant fight for me dave and of course um more recently his fight with errol spence that that was another brilliant fight and look he was he was banging that fight. He was banging yeah. that fight with Spence before the knockdown. Of course, that that swung it a little bit further into to Spence's way. I thought Spence probably just would have edged it even without the knockdown. But um, it, it was a great fight that as well, and a, a really good battle. And it was just further proof that you don't beat this guy easy. And 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 that's where Crawford's got the challenge on his hands. And look, if Crawford goes in there and blasts him out, you're going to get fans that are going to say Porter was washed. I spoke washed, about this on yeah. Twitter the other day. You're going to get these fans <laughs> that will say Porter was washed. The the Spence fight took it all out of him. But again, look, it's bollocks. It, it, if Crawford goes in there and stops Porter, a man who's not been stopped before, and he's been in with some top fighters who who, who hit fairly hard as well, then you've got to give Terence Crawford his credit for that. And look, if, if Porter... <laughs> Porter goes in there, upsets the odds, and, and he, he grinds out a win against Terence Crawford. Listen, three-time world champion, that's going to be massive for him. And again, you've got yeah. to give him his credit because he can take some stick as well for his style. And people, because he has got those losses on his resume, he does get a little bit of criticism on that. But like I said, Dave, always in close fights, always competitive. And he's one of those fighters. You get in the ring with Sean Porter, you're not going to come out 
feeling like you haven't had a fight. You're going to come out thinking, fucking hell, he's pushed me there. He's going to come to war. He's he's coming to battle and he's going to be nasty in there. Like you said, he's going to throw the head in there. The elbows are going to come in. He's going to be leaning over you and so on. So, look, it's not going to be an easy fight uh, for anyone. And if, if Crawford goes in there and does the business, he's got to get his credit. And, look, he might have people thinking, well, we don't want to put this person in with that one and so on. But, look, he... If he goes in there and does the business, you've got to give the man credit, haven't you, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it completely changes, I think, a lot of people's perception of Porter. I mentioned it before, the first thing they say is mention the three close losses and sort of dis- disregard everything else he's done. But he's done, a, he's done a lot in boxing. You know, people tend to forget it's only a tiny percentage of fighters that get to that level. So to get there alone, he's fucking impressive. But to be a world champion, to beat the decent names that I've named, the Malanagis, the Danny Garcias, it's he's, he's, he's incredible. People just expect the very best out of everybody. But yes, he has, he has, but his career has been great, but people still point at them three narrow defeats as sort of, that epitomises him as a boxer, but I don't believe it does. A win over Crawford completely, completely changes that. That will be his defining moment, and, and he, he'll deserve his props. If he goes in there and does the number, then... You know, we, we all like Terence Crawford, but I like Porter as well, so I can't lose in this fight. The winner, I'll be happy for. And the loser, you know, if they want to come again, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But I'll be happy for Porter either way, and that will cement the sort of respect that I feel he deserves already. People can't deny him the respect then. He, to beat Crawford would be fucking incredible. Yeah, 100%, David. Look, we, we just spoke about um, our favourite Porter fights, but... Let, let's flip it over to, to Terence Crawford now. Um, now, one thing I will say about Crawford in terms of his resume being criticised and so on, one thing you will say about Crawford is he doesn't do close fights. He's not had a controversial oh. win. He's gone in there and he's done the business. He's either absolutely uh, battered someone in there, taken them out, or he's gone in there and just uh, he dominated them and he, he, he's won a lopsided decision. Like like the, the, the Postal fight, for example, Dave, he put Postal yeah. down twice. He won almost every round. Competitive fight in, in, in some ways, but he dominated that fight, Dave. And Postal's no mug. Yeah. Postal's no mug. And, and you've seen that in, in fights with, with Josh Taylor and fights with Ramirez and so on. But the way put, uh, Crawford just dominated him, that doesn't get the respect for me. That doesn't get the respect it yeah. deserves for me. So I think when people criticise his resume, they've got to take that into consideration. The fact that there isn't there isn't any controversial wins on his resume. He's gone in there. He's got the job done with whoever has been put in front of him. And he's come up through the divisions. And yes, his resume at 147 pounds isn't good enough. But give him the opportunity. Porter's the opportunity here. He takes out Porter. Bring him on. That's the way he's going to see it. They put anyone within, put anyone in with him next. That's that's yeah. that's what Crawford's about. So this fight is huge for him on that sense. Uh, but like I said, Dave, <clears throat> even if he does win, you're going to have those few people who, who who will try and play the victory down and whatever. But look, if it brings another big fight on the PBC side, then then listen, we're all happy about that. But in, in terms of performances, Dave. I know I've just mentioned the, the Postal one and we've spoken about the Burns one, but if you had to single out your favourite Crawford performance, what one would it be, Dave? Uh, I've got it right in front of me now. The Postal one, exactly how you said. Postal were undefeated and a lot of people rated him very highly and it was clear to see why Postal is a solid fighter. And 
you know, he wasn't the hardest banger, but as a boxer, he's he's a fucking solid fighter. And and like you say, there was moments where Poster was in it. Of course he was, because he was that good of a fighter. But Crawford just far exceeded my expectations in that fight. I expected it to be much closer. You could look at the Mean Machine fight. You know, people replay the 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 part of the fight where Crawford takes that shot and he does a bit of a stiff leg, don't it? And put him down. But again, Mean Machine's not a mug. He'll go on and do good things, I'm sure. So to take Postel's undefeated record in the style he did, and he, he showed everything that night: boxing ability, aggression, your know, strength, movement, the ring IQ. He, for me, you put the post up before Crawford is the best American fighter since Floyd Mayweather hung his gloves up. It's it's without doubt for me. He's just complete. He's a brilliant fighter. Yeah, Dave, and I want to speak about just how good uh, we think Crawford actually is and really break down why he's so good as well. Um, But you've just touched upon it with with the performance against Postle. I've I've mentioned it as well. And there's so many performances you could look through and just say, look, that one was this, that one was that, because he's so dominant in in the performances. The one thing about Terence Crawford is his versatility. He's one of the most versatile fighters out there right now. He can do it in any possible way. He can outpoint a guy, he can batter a guy and knock him out. He, he's he's probably, well, he is the best switch hitter in the game right now. And we've got another one coming through with, with uh, Boots Ennis, who looks a real good switch hitter as well. Power in both hands. And that, that's what you've got with Crawford. It will switch to Southpaw and he's still hitting as hard as what he would in Orthodox, Dave. And that's one thing about Crawford as well. He, he, he can box, he can mix it up. He can go to war, doesn't matter. He's got that versatility and he will take the fight any way you want to take that fight. And we're seeing that with Mean Machine. He thought, I'll mix it up a little bit more, make this a little bit more yeah. exciting. And look, he, he probably did get knocked down, but he wasn't hurt. He got back up he, and he got the job done in, in, in fine fashion, Dave. And he put him away in devastating fashion. And that's what Crawford's about, the versatility. Take, take the fight to him however you want to take it. And he's ready for that, Dave. And he's going to switch it up. And you're going to see the best of him when you push him. And that's why I think someone like Porter, listen, Porter, we, we know what type of fight Porter's going to want. I don't think yeah. that type of fight is going to be wise against Crawford. I think if, if Porter fights that type of fight and thinks he's going to be able to rough Crawford up, I think Crawford's going to stop him. I'm not going to lie, Dave. I think Crawford will stop him. I think Porter has to be a little bit smarter and he's going to need to be a little bit wiser. And I'm sure he's, he, he, he's going to come in with a game plan. But I just think if he just goes all at it and wants to go out to war with Crawford, bad idea. He's, Crawford's going to put him away. And no matter how tough you are, Dave, you take it to Crawford like that, I think you're in trouble. And so I've just mentioned a few things of why I think he's so good, Dave. The switch hitting is one of those main reasons. The versatility, the power in both hands. Why is Crawford so good? Or how good is Terrence Crawford? You've just said... <coughs> He's the best American fighter since uh, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Zachariah put that in the chat as well. How good is Terence Crawford, Dave? He, he's better <coughs> than his resume, isn't he? And, and, and I think that's why people <clears throat> get a bit frustrated. That's why people see his resume as his weak point. So if they just genuinely don't like him, they'll use that against him. And that's, we've been through it, it's not his fault. <coughs> but his ability on the night, He's incredible. He's just so complete. You've mentioned his versatility there. If one thing's not working, he isn't one-dimensional. He isn't stuck in that mode. He'll change. He'll switch. Like you said, switch it in. He'll move. Or he'll stand in the pocket. 
He knows how to take anybody. He's timing. Look at Amir Khan, how fast Amir Khan was. Crawford knew he was going to be fast. How do you beat a fast fighter with timing? You draw him in on a shot, step, time, bang. And he did it. And it wasn't easy. I know he had Khan down early. But there was moments in that where I'm sure he was getting frustrated and other fighters might have sort of thrown the game plan to the side and sort of tried to be more aggressive and rough, rough house. But he's just so calm in there. Everything's just so natural to him. He's so slick. He's so smooth. He can combination punch. He can time you on the way in. He can, he can fight on the front foot. I don't think there's a side of his game where you think that's where Sean Porter needs to bring it to have a chance of winning that fight. Obviously, we know Sean Porter's strength, where he'd have the best chance, but the best chance is probably still not going to be enough because Porter's just just can fight any way you want and he can bang. Last 11 fights, 10 stoppages. You know, and he hasn't fought 11 fights at welterweight, so we're not saying he's come up to welterweight, not fought the best and stopped them. He's stopping good, good, solid fighters. So for me, he's just all round. You don't think, oh, he's the fastest on the planet. You don't think he's got the best footwork on the planet. But everything, he's very, very good. So trying to find a game plan to work against Crawford, well, so far it's proved impossible because no one's even come close. So where do you even start? He's just an, a complete package and his mentality, his composure, he's just, he's just got everything. And, and he's good to watch as well, which is always obviously adds because without selling tickets, you, you're not getting far in this sport. So the fact that he's entertaining and, and he seems like a decent guy as well. He, he's just a whole round complete package. Whereas we know Porter's strengths and we know where Porter can, can lose a fight. And I think that that's going to be telling on the night. Yeah, I think well said, Dave. And I think you've hit an hour in the head with, with the complete package. Crawford is the complete package. And you think the only thing that he's lacking now are those big names on his resume. And yeah. if Crawford gets a few of those big names on his resume, he, his legacy is going to go down in, in history. And look, I, I honestly, um, I'm, a, I'm a big Crawford fan. You know that. I, I could match him up with some of the best uh, from past eras. And I know he's going to go in there and he's going to be competitive with them and he's going to give them a rough night. I'm not going to sit here and say who he would beat. Fantasy fights, it's all over the bollocks, really. A bit of fun, Dave, we know that. But yeah. most people are always going to side with, with the, the guys from the past eras and so on. But look, Crawford would be a horrible fight for anyone. He, he's, like I said, the switch hitting, the power in both hands, Dave, the versatility, the speed, everything about him, Dave, and I just think he's top-notch. And th and that's why he is one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world, regardless of his resume, Dave. He he's right up there. And and nobody in their right mind could honestly say that they don't think Terence Crawford is a top-class fighter. They might not like him because of the, the promotional team he's with, Dave, and he's not on the right side of the street. But, look, you, you can't deny it. And when they're sat at home, away from social media, not talking to no one to impress uh, from, from their promotional <laughs> team, um, Camp, they would admit Terence Crawford's a bloody good fighter. So yeah. we're going to see that against Porter, in my opinion. I think we're going to see a brilliant side of Crawford in that fight. And it's a great opportunity. <coughs> Excuse me. Great opportunity to, to shove a bit down people's throats and just to shut people up a little bit, Dave. Although they, they, they'll they come out and find something. But no, oh, yeah. Crawford's top quality. And we're going to see that in this Porter fight. Um and I can't wait for it, Dave. I can't wait for it. But look, we've got to weigh up both sides. And I'm not going to be completely biased. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of 
of Sean Porter as well. And we've given him his dues for, for the career he's had so far. But I want to look at the what happens if either man wins. So we'll start with Porter, David. If, if Porter gets the win here, of course, he becomes a, a three-time welterweight champion, which is huge for his legacy. Huge for his legacy, especially, especially with the fighters he's come up against as well, Dave. So if he wins that, it sort of presents three options for me. Um, a rematch with Spence, um, which would then be an, another unification fight like it was uh, before, but there'll be three belts on the line this time. Um, a rematch with Ugas once he gets rid of that ridiculous WBA um, tournament. <laughs> tournament. <laughs> uh, yeah, he might feel he needs to go in there and, and, and um, beat Ugas um, again because people still question that one. And of course, there's something on the line now with it being a unification fight as well. Or, or a rematch with Crawford if they wanted to go down that route. If Porter did win, Dave, which one of those three fights would you want to see? I'd want to see the rematch with Spence, I think. I can understand the Ugas, obviously, part of you, because then both fighters bring two belts to the table. I think if he beats Crawford, it gives Mr. Heyman a very, very, very good fucking possibility he signs Terence Crawford. Because all the belts are in PBC then, he can promise him the rematch, he can promise him the Spence fight. Everything's at that side of the street, as they say, which I fucking hate. It's bollocks, it's promotional bullshit. But, it, yeah, I, I think the Spence fight, because he, he's at the top of his game. If he beats Crawford, this is him at his top. Cease it while you can, get out there. We don't know where Spence is at, you know, he, he's had that car <coughs> crash, he's had the, the eye damage has, uh, since been revealed, he's, people are, you get mixed reports, don't you, I think most people just post shit just so people <laughs> retweet it or whatever, I don't think they know what they're talking about, but you see him in some images and his eye does look, it, look, it looks bad, but then you see him in gyms as well and it looks, like, looks pretty sharp, so it's hard to see where he's at, so if I was... Porter, I'd be looking at that fight. I know, obviously, you guys will be desperate to get back in there with Porter. He'll want to see a wrong right, as he'll see it. And it's a unification fight, which puts him in a very strong position if he was to want to go ahead and fight Spence. But like you say, that WBA bullshit tournament. And they've just had the fight with Pacquiao to fuck the regular title off, but now we're going to have a tournament to fuck the regular title off. What, what's going on? Let's not even get into it. It's just fucking stupid. But, yeah, I'd, I think the Spence fight because if Ugas is tied up in that nonsense then let's get the unification on let's do it yeah I think that would be the one that Porter would want if, if he did beat Terence Crawford the, the Spence rematch and of course it being a free belt unification it would be a big fight for him and I'm, I'm sure that's the way he will go if he does get this win and I'm sure that's the way that PBC would want to push it as well because then they could match the winner up with um Ugas or yeah. the winner of that ridiculous WBA tournament after that for an undisputed clash. And of course, um, it might not seem so big in terms of what, what Spence and Crawford would be as an undisputed, but look, if it's an undisputed fight and that's the way it goes and Crawford gets beat by Porter, that's going to be huge for, for any of those fighters involved. But look, that's if Porter wins, Dave. Uh, yeah. Let's look at if, if Crawford wins, which is what most people would expect. He is the overwhelming favourite here. Um, and of course, people do want to see Spence against Crawford, but we've got to look at, you've just said, if it's not next after this, it's probably not going to happen at all. And that, that's the way we've got to weigh it up. And you've got to look from Terence Crawford's point of view, his last fight with top rank. If he beat Sean Porter, what does he do? Does he re-sign with top rank and, and, and take a, a Josh Taylor coming up fight, two undisputed champions going at it? Does he 
go become a free agent and and look to look to get the Spence fight or look to go across and get a Keith Thurman or someone like that before then getting the Spence fight after maybe if he if he ends up getting his shot at Ugas to to make it an undisputed clash or does he does he go and fight um uh, at one of the young guns coming through does he go and fight um Ortiz Jr. Uh, Jaron Boots Ennis does he look for that type of fight there's so many questions that could be asked on this day but of course anyone other than those names I've just mentioned probably wouldn't cut it for boxing fans no. and it would be the same old story with people questioning his resume wouldn't it Dave so what do you think he does and what do you think is in his best interest to do if he does beat Sean Porter you just mentioned three options there and, the, and they all concern three different promoters you've got Josh at at top rank, you've got Spence and, and, and the rest of the welterweights at PBC. You've got uh, Boots, uh, Ortiz over at Golden Boy. You've got Boots, who, who's he's only a small-time promoter at the minute, but I'm sure he's going to start moving up soon, and, and maybe he won't. Maybe he's happy where he is. But that's the problem you have, you see. He, can't, he, he cannot fight all them fighters because he can't fulfil. We know the promotional wars that go on. So if he, whoever he signs with, he's going to have limited options either way. So he's got to make up, what, what do I want to do? Do I want to go across to PBC and become, have a chance at Undisputed? But then where do I go from there? Do I want to fight Ortiz, who's very much you know, man of the moment, but he's not a champion? Do I want to fight, go up and, and, and fight Josh Taylor? Instant unification, but Undisputed fight. Do I want to do that? So he's got to ask himself some questions, but PBC have just worked with Canelo in the plant fight. And I know it was, it was, man, uh, no, it wasn't mandated. It was just a unified fight. So they've worked with free agents before. I know that there was all this talk that they tried to just tie Canelo to a TV deal on the back of it and stuff like that. Of course that happens. It's fucking business. They're always going to try this nonsense, but it proves that they can work with free agents. And that might be the key for him. It, it, will Top Rank work with him again as a free agent? Bob doesn't speak too highly of, he, of his ticket sales and stuff for, for whatever reason. It's, it's just self-damaging. Don't know why he does that. Golden Boy, I'm sure, be be happy to work with him. They, you know, they're restricted to the amount of fighters they've got on. They seem to be going through a bit of a lull. Putting on good cards, but uh, top-end fighters. Obviously, Los Canelo, Ryan Garcia's doing his thing at the minute. He's, he's sort of, he's fighting, he's not fighting. So I'm sure they'd like to get Ortiz out there and, and in with a fighter like Crawford and, and that's a you know no disrespect to Crawford but Artie's he's, he's a solid fighter he, he would he get through it I don't know so it's he, he has to sit down now with his team and say what well, where do I want to go from here because the next signature I make after this fight defines where I go from, from here forward personally I think of course I'd want to see the Spence fight but I'd be happy with the Taylor fight as well because Josh Taylor's beaten the men at 147. He, he's looking at what do I do next. Obviously, he's, he's got the capture fight. But then, what does he do next? It, it, Crawford fills that gap as well. So, But does that mean signing with top rank again? And then, after, after Taylor, what then? You know, So, he's in a real shit position, really. And it's not his doing. It's the politics of boxing. Uh, but that's personally, if I had to advise him, I'd go Taylor. Just because of... If Spence hasn't been made now, then I wouldn't hold too much weight on it being made ever. Well, this is it, Dave. If he does re-sign with top rank, the only option they've really got for him is Josh Taylor. So if he yeah. re-signed with top rank, took the Josh Taylor fight, 
where the fuck would he go next? That that would be my okay. question. Uh, maybe it could be the case if he signs a, a, another one fight with them and say, look, I'll fight Josh Taylor. The Spence fight's not quite there yet. Let's bring that fight on. It's going to be a big fight, undisputed against undisputed. And maybe he takes that and then waits on a Spence or, or, or an Ugas firm and whoever the, that PBC uh, you can get from PBC. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see, Dave. But anyone who's um, tuned in right now, I'd, I'd like to know your thoughts in the chat. Um, what do you think that Terence Crawford should do if he does beat Sean Porter? Where do you think he should go next? Should he re-sign with top rank? Should he look for that Josh Taylor fight? Should he go as a free agent and 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 seek out some of those PBC fighters, maybe a Keith Furman, someone like that, before he gets the opportunity to to get the Spence fight, or does he just go full out, all out for that Spence fight and and try to get that? And I think one thing, another thing, someone mentioned to me um, the other day, Dave, was maybe moving up to 154 pounds, but. That brings along the same problems because if you look at 154 pounds, the 154 pounds divisions, the majority of the top fighters in that division are with BBC as well. So I don't think we're <laughs> going to have any difference there. So it makes no sense to do yeah. that, in my opinion, and unless he wanted to become a four weight world champion. So it's an interesting one, isn't it, Dave? But all is going to be revealed um, once this fight's out the way. And of course, the most important thing for him first is to get the win. And of yeah. course, He's going to want to do it in style. Crawford's going to want to stop Porter. He will want to be the first person to stop Porter, to have that on his resume and to say, look, there you go. I'm the only one to stop Porter. Now bring me whoever else you've got. He's going to want that, Dave, and I know that for a fact. And he is a killer. When he gets his man hurt, he's all over it. Oh, yeah. so he's going to be gunning for that. But interesting times. But what about from the other side? What about from the other side of it, Dave? It, it, for either man, if they lose, if, if, if Sean Porter loses, is that the end of Sean Porter? Is that the last we see of Sean Porter? Or can he come back from yet another loss? I think he's more than capable of coming back from a loss. And and it's not it's not as if he's he's approaching the end of his career and he's he's, he's took a shock defeat, say, a fight that he was expected to win and, and he just looked awful. He's in there with the best, you know. Between Crawford and Spence, there's an argument there, but he's in, he's in with the very best of his division two solid fighters in Spence and Crawford and, and he surely he's belonged there with Spence and I think he'll sure he belongs there with Crawford as well. So all being well, as long as he's not blasted out of there and, and or he's, he's absolutely dominated for, for a long duration and beat, I think it, there's a very much a future for him at the division. It's whether he wants it then, isn't it? Because he, he has got other work outside, he does a lot of presenting, he, you know, he, he loves the sport, he's a massive fan of the sport, but... It, what, how long would the rebuild process take? And then he's with PBC, so he's with the right promotional outfit to rebuild at 140. But does he want to start that process again? Has he got it in him? It depends how much hunger's left. It, it, yeah. It's completely on him. But boxing will welcome him back because because of the type of fighter he is. He, he'll always have a, have a place at the table. It's, it's completely up to him, I think. If he feels his legs are gone and the heart's not there, then then I'll only appreciate his decision and, and well done for a good career. Yeah, I think it's one of them, Dave, like you said, if he if he did face a heavy defeat and he was blasted out in a couple of rounds, he might think he might start to consider his future and yeah. think, well, maybe maybe it's time I start to to look elsewhere and, and continue with those projects I've got outside of boxing and as well as the ones he's got within boxing as well, Dave. But yeah. if, 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 as usual, it's a, another close competitive fight, then the hunger would still be there from him. And like you said, PBC have still got good fights for him. 
And there, there's still the possibility of rematch, a rematch with Keith Furman. I know we don't see much of Keith Furman at the moment. And look, I don't even know if we're going to see him back in the, no. ring, but, the ring. But um, of course, PBC have got that fight that they could always throw in. And look, if they threw on Porter and Furman too, everyone's going to watch that. That's still yeah. going to be an exciting fight. We would want to see what 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 Furman's going to come back with. We want to see if, if Porter could come back from defeat again. So it's another interesting fight. So I would like to see Sean Porter stick it out, regardless of what happens with this one, because he he has been a top welterweight, and of course he he's always been willing to take on them challenges. And look, he, he's he's good for the division, and there's not too many people in the division who who well, there's no one in the division who could boast a resume like him. Um, yeah. So. I, I, I would like to see him again, regardless of what the result is. But for Crawford, Dave, uh, well, the, the unthinkable happens and he's defeated. That is going to be a heavy, heavy blow. And all that's going to happen from there, Dave, is people are going to say, look, he was a fraud all along. This is what we're talking about. He, as soon as he fights some uh, someone, uh, one of the top welterweights, this is what happens. So that would be a tough one for him to come back from, wouldn't it, Dave? Yeah, that's it. He, he is that good. If he suffered a shock defeat like that, like you say, the haters will turn on him. He's going to get a lot of shit thrown his way, you know, because he is the favourite and he's a solid favourite. Is he like minus 1,000? I think it's like 1 to 10 on, on British odds. So I'm, I'm not big into odds, but I think you get like a, a quid from a tenner. So he, he's very well fancied. So to, to lose, and especially if it was... A, you know, quite a divisive, decisive loss. If he lost clearly against Porter, then he's going to ask himself some questions, and that could that could make him fall two ways. He could get that hunger back and think, "I'm going to show them, I'm going to shut them up." It might also open doors because people will think Porter beat him. I'll fucking fight him. I'll beat him. You know, so it could, initially it'll work against him if he can mentally get over that defeat, something that he's never had to do yet, not even come close to having to do yet then it could bounce him back, you know, with these Spence fights might be easier to make, the, the Thurmans and people, the Ugas fights might be easier to make. But again, it'd be on him. He could retire tomorrow and, and he's had a good career. A, a, a loss wouldn't necessarily spell the end unless he wanted it to. I think he's still got plenty left. You know, he's not shown any signs to date that he hasn't got loads left in the tank. So, it, it, again, it'd be completely up to him. I, 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 I wouldn't like him to retire, don't get me wrong. I think he's a, he's a great fighter. And last, last time against Kell Brook, I know Kell Brook was well washed, but he, at the same time, Crawford didn't show any signs that he was slowing or anything like that. So, I don't think it has to spell the end. It depends if these two fighters want to call it the end. I'd only yeah. hope they don't because I like watching them. I don't. I don't think it's in his character, Dave. I don't think if Terence Crawford did suffer a defeat, defeat here, I don't think it's within his character to to say right. That's to it. Quit. I'm walking away. Yeah. Now. That's me done. He'd want to come back, and he'd want to prove himself again, and he'd come back even harder. So I, I can't see that as any possibility in defeat. But he would suffer, uh, or he would get a lot of stick <laughs> based on it, it. It would help some of these haters, and there is a lot of Terence Crawford haters, and it, it would help some of these haters back up what they've been saying, but. Look, let's look at our predictions, Dave. We're going to see how we think the fight's going to go. Um, and then we can obviously think about the possible outcomes there, Dave. So, Dave, this is going to be an exciting fight. I know that for a fact. How do you think it's going to play out? I think Crawford's going to be cautious early. I think he's got to look out and see, just work out what Porter's game plan is from 
an obvious game plan is for Porter to just try and get inside and unload, but he's got to be aware of uh, what what's Porter going to bring. Because Porter showed against Ugas, he wasn't 100% physically aggressive against Ugas. He had stages where he, he, he was on the outside and he boxed well. So I think he's going to be cautious early while Porter's at his strongest and look to break him down. I'd like to see him target that body because there's nothing better than taking the legs from an aggressive fighter than there is good solid body work and it's, it's always amazing to watch and so I think he's going to target body early and then as the fight goes on like you say he's desperate to stop Porter so he's going to up the aggression towards the end Crawford's shown he can fight 12 rounds at a good pace he, he can carry his power throughout the fight that's not an issue whether he can stop him I think Porter's savvy enough I think he's wise enough I think he's strong enough to to avoid getting stopped so I'm not going to say he's, he's going to go into Callum Smith-Canelo mode and, and completely switch to defence. I don't see that, but I, I'd expect a lot of holding as the fight goes on to, for Porter to get his breath, to, to, to break the rhythm of Crawford. And I, I expect a points decision. I think Crawford will win it. And I think it might be, might be close early, but as the fight wears on, I think we'll see the true class from Crawford that will separate the two fighters and expect him to take you know, 120, 116, somewhere along them lines. A good, good points decision. Yeah, those of you in the chat, if any, if anyone's there, um, I'd like to know. I'd like to know what you think. How this fight's going to play out? Who do you think is going to win? And most importantly, how do you think they're going to uh, they're going to win? Is this going to go? To, is this going to go the distance, or or can you see a stoppage either way? And Dave, you've just touched upon a couple of points I was going to mention as well. And I think in terms of Terence Crawford, he, he tends to to work his opponent out in the early rounds. And and sometimes he might give away the odd round here and there. But he's working his man out. And, and normally by the time he's done that, he, he, he sets upon them. And of course, we've seen how he has been at welterweight and he has been an absolute killer at welterweight. But this is not going to be the type of fight for me where he goes in and he puts his man away in four or five rounds. I'd be very surprised. And listen, that would be some <laughs> statement if he went in there and blasted out Sean Porter in four or five rounds. Now, all along when this fight was announced and even spoken about, I thought to myself, this is going to be an excellent fight. It's going to be a real scrap and Crawford's going to take a decision. But I don't know, Dave. The closer it gets, the more and more I think that Crawford can actually stop him. The more and more my, my mind is just telling me Crawford's going to stop him late on. Crawford's going to stop him late. So I'm, I'm, I listen, I can't wait for this fight to find out. Um, <laughs> but I do know, regardless of what happens in this fight, it's going to be an exciting watch. I know that for a fact. And I spoke about it with you not too long ago. I think it was around the time when, when it got announced, Dave. And I said to you, my prediction was, the early prediction was, I could easily see both men getting knocked down in this fight. Um, and Crawford yeah. taking a taking the win via a decision, and I would not be surprised. And I'll still back that in there now. I would not be surprised to see both men hit the canvas. I would not be surprised at all. I, I definitely think Crawford's going to put Porter down at some point, but I wouldn't be surprised if Porter returned the favour as well. So I think it's that type of fight. Um, I think it's going to be an excellent watch, and I can't wait for it. And SK from Ket says he thinks that Crawford's going to take it on points. And look, that was my initial prediction, Crawford on points. But the closer it gets, I think I think he can stop him. And I feel like he's going to stop him maybe in the 10th or the 11th. And I think Crawford could just set upon him. If he gets him hurt, Dave, and Porter has been hurt before, but he, he, he's got through it. Like you said, he, he's, a, he's a wily character. He's experienced enough to get through those moments. But I feel Crawford 
if Crawford does get put a hurt late, he, he can jump all over him, Dave, and I think he can get the job done. So I'm interested in finding out. It is a very intriguing battle, and it, it's the one I've been looking forward to the most uh, for quite some time now, and I hope it lives up to expectation. I've convinced myself, and I've, I'm, I'm telling everyone else it's going to be a great fight. I've convinced myself <laughs> it is. So. <laughs> I, I, it can't let me down now, Dave. I'll be absolutely fuming if I'm let down by it, and it's, it's a boring watch and so on, but I can't see it. But... Uh, Ross yeah. Allen said uh, Crawford stops him late and he thinks the towel might come in or the ref save him as, uh, save him as well. So no one's going for Porter. I've not seen too many people backing Porter, uh, no. but I think I've seen a lot of people saying Porter can push him and take him the distance and they don't see Terence Crawford stopping him. And like we said, Dave, if Crawford stops Porter, that's a statement. And if he does stop Porter, he'll be the first man to do it. And he, he deserves his credit for doing that. Yeah. And if he does that, Dave... I can't wait to see what's next and I want to see what's coming. And he's got, as we said, some big decisions to make. And I think the way he goes about that is going to decide his future and, and whether we see those fights that we've been crying out for. So this is one of those fights. Errol Spence, Terence Crawford. If we do not see that fight, it's going to be one of the biggest travesties in boxing. Yeah. We're talking, we're going along the lines of, of Lennox Lewis and Riddick Bowen, just not seeing it due to politics and fight purses and all this nonsense. And we, we just don't need to see it, Dave. There, there's been a few fights in the past that have been missed out on, but I don't want this to be one of them. So I can only hope that we do get Crawford and Spence in the near future. And like you said, if it's not next, it does kind of make you feel like he's drifting away. But I feel yeah. like, I don't feel like it's going to be next. I feel like Crawford will get that one more fight in regardless. So will Spence. And I think that's when they're going to look to make it. I think what's not helped is that WBA tournament with Ugas. They would have wanted it to be an undisputed fight, but that's slowing things down. Ugas is going to have to fight two fights within that tournament now. So he's got to have sure. two fights before he can even face Spence. So are we really going to sit and wait for Spence to fight Ugas before we get Spence and Crawford? No, if it's not an undisputed fight, would you give a shit, Dave? No, absolutely not. Fuck that. It's the fight. I don't care who carries what into the ring, what belts around people's waist. We know that there are two men in the division. There's two best fighters out there. And the fighter will be all but undisputed champion. You know, There'll be no dispute for many fight fans that the winner of that, that is the is man at 140. Yeah, Yugas has got a belt, but fuck the belts. Use a bit of common sense. <laughs> you know, There's no two ways. Is about it. The winner of Spence and and, and Crawford is the undisputed yeah, champion. The I don't want to hear this. Well. No, exactly. Doubt, I don't want to hear this bullshit. Four belts you need to be undisputed. You don't. You only need that if you're a fucking governing body and they want to they want to make the money. It's bullshit. <laughs> No, it's great. It's great for the history books, and it, it is. It does look good when you've got an undisputed fight and there's four belts and the line. Yeah. But when it comes to big fights like that, it, it's not. It, it's not what makes the fight. Crawford and Spence could fight each other with no belts on the line. That's a fucking fight, and we yeah. all want to watch it. But, of course, yeah, it, the glory and the history books, it looks great. The legacy, it looks great uh, when when you've got that. But we don't need it, Dave. I'm, I'm more yeah. than happy to see that fight without the belts. But, look, can't wait for that fight, and I hope it delivers like I expect it to do. Uh, but we went live yesterday, Dave, and we had a little bit of a, a technical issue. So <laughs> the bell now. <laughs> we, we, we sat here and we discussed a number of things from the weekend. And I want to finish uh, today's live and uh, today's podcast for those listening on, on the audio version. But before I do, I just want to uh, remind people, if, if you are tuning in for the first time, 
please do hit that subscribe button. We, we do want to work our way towards a thousand subscribers and hit the like, get in the comments and the live chat if you're in the lives or just um, give us some support. And listen, it's all it's all appreciated at the end of the day. But look, I do want to go back um, to where we were, were talking yesterday. And I do want to finish the show by talking about the weekend's action because we did see some good fights. And of course, there's a, a lot to come of it. So we, we spoke about... Mer Jamie Mungir yesterday and his fight with Rosado, of course, uh, very good fight, um, great watcher, one-sided uh, in, in many ways, but Rosado was competitive and he was always in the fight. Um, as much as it didn't look like he was winning the rounds, he, he was in the fight. Um, yeah. And he was obviously hoping and looking for that shot like he did against Beck, but it didn't quite come. And Munguia, as we said, he, he showed great improvement. He, his fluency within within his combinations was, was great to see. And, of course, there's defensive issues that he needs to work on, but he's got a solid chin. He was riding the shots a little bit. So there's positives there for him, Dave. But I just want to touch upon it again like we did yesterday. In, in terms of Munguia going forward, Golovkin and Drake Charlo, um, which one of those would you think would be the best fight for him? And which one of those, well, do you think do you think he can beat any of those three? I think he's very, very close to, to that level now, I think. That outing against, in his last outing against Gabe Rosado, what impressed me most, and I didn't mention it yesterday, is Rosado was clever. He's a wily old veteran. He knows the game inside out. And he was sticking the body shots in as Mungia got on the inside where Mungia wanted to unload and he was sticking them solo shots in and trying to tie up. And I mentioned on Twitter, can uh, Mungia sustain this fucking output whilst absorbing them shots? But towards the end of the fight, he's probably when he was letting his hands go the most, his engine was phenomenal, mate. And we've seen at 154, he can dig. He didn't knock Rizzardo down and Rizzardo can be knocked down, we've seen that. So I was a bit surprised that he didn't knock Rosado down, but I'm not going to take that away from him. I think Rosado was very defensive-minded when Mungia was attacking. He, he didn't throw with him too much. He was trying to catch him on the way in more than anything. I was really impressed with him, but the Golovkin, as we mentioned yesterday, all depends how he looks against Murata. Fighters can age overnight. It can suddenly catch up with them. Now, Golovkin doesn't really rely on reflexes or speed which most most anybody who's been in the fight game will say the first thing i lost was my reflexes and then the speed my brain knew what i wanted to do my body wouldn't do it quick enough now golovkin isn't that type of fighter so maybe he's he he's he can still be the same fighter he might lose you know half a step in his pace and stuff i think he can Get away with that with the style he fights he's not an amir khan he's he's not a, a reactive fighter he's very much a, a calculated ring iq strategy type of fighter so i expect golovkin to look good in japan but if he doesn't i'm sure mungia's ears will be pricked and he'll be looking to get in there as will fucking every man in his dark as we mentioned yesterday somebody would love to be the downfall of golovkin because of of who he is and, and the legacy he's built for himself I think Andre is an interesting fight because Andre for me is probably technically the more skilled fighter at that division. When he's on point, he he's brilliant, but he's only on point for one minute in three or two rounds out of four. He's just so unpredictable. I don't know what it is. I can't put my thumb on why he behaves the way he does in the ring because he looks like look at him against Liam Williams. He had Williams down. He had him buzzed. He looked like everything was going his way, and then suddenly Williams. I'm not 
saying he was beating Andrade, but Andrade made it very, very fucking hard for himself. Uh, you know, credit to Williams as well. He pushed the fight and he, he wasn't he wasn't put off by Andrade's power. But it, it just looked like it was so easy, and then suddenly it wasn't anymore. And he, he was having moments where he was struggling. So I think Mungia can take advantages of them lulls. As I've mentioned, Mungia's engine's fucking brilliant, so he's not going to have any lulls. He can fight thirty six minutes. He's a, he's the old style fifteen round type of fighter. He just lets his hands go. And he yeah, he looked tired at times in the corner. Of course he did, but compared to Rosado, he, he was as fresh as a daisy. But for me, I like the Charlo fight. I know Charles, he's a good fighter. You can't deny that. And he gets his fucking stick, as does Andre, as does Golovkin, because they're not fighting each other. And we know why. We say it every week. But Charlo is a solid fighter. And Mungia, he's strong. He's got a wicked chin. He took some fucking flush shots. And like you say, he did ride with a lot of shots, but he did catch some as well. And Rosado proved against Beck. He can switch lights out in an instant. So. Mungia didn't go into defence more because he knew what Rosado carried. He just fought his fight. He knew he was going to get it. He got hit, but never once did I think, fucking hell, Rosado's got him here and needs to pounce on him. Yeah. He, he just didn't affect him. And some people are just... It, it's not something you can train somebody a chin. Some people just have brilliant ability to absorb a shot, and he has that. And that will help him with the Sally fights where he's forward footed, he's aggressive. He knows he has to go through fire to let his fire go. And that's why I think the Charlo's the best fight from an entertainment point of view. And I think it might be his best chance as well because you know Charlo's not got a, a weak engine, but the, the, the comparisons in the two are, are night and day. I think Mungia could outwork him. Do I think it would happen next? No, I, I I wouldn't jump him straight up there. He's only had one at 160 now, and it is against Rosado, who I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, I knew Rosado was shit, because I don't think Rosado's shit. But he's definitely not at the top level. So, you know, there's, there's a process, and I don't think he can jump from Rosado right up to the Charlos, Golovkins, Andres. So, but he he's definitely yeah. belongs at the division. I think that that's what that Rosado fight taught us. He's comfortable in that division. Yeah, like you said, Dave, and uh, Kaiser Cobra on the screen here is talking about uh, Golovkin's stamina, saying he boxes a lot yeah. more conservatively, uh, conservatively does, yeah. <laughs> um, than he did under Sanchez. And yeah, he's right. Um, we're not seeing that same level of intensity from Golovkin as we used to. But of course, he is aging as well. And I think we're going to see a lot in the Murata fight to tell us going forward. And whether or not that monkey is going to be able to go in there and beat a Golovkin. And like you said, if, if he doesn't perform too well against Morata, they're going to be looking, they're going to be thinking, yeah, we're all over that. Let's get this man in there. He's, he's, he's <laughs> ready to go now. He's ready to go. But I think we're both in agreement. I think anyone would be in agreement that the best of Golovkin, there's no match. Golovkin beats, no. he batters Mungia. The best of Golovkin batters yeah. Mungia. And of course, we nearly see that fight a few years ago and it wouldn't have been the right time. It's lucky that they didn't, in the end, um, get Mungia in there with Golovkin because that, that could have been very bad for his career. But look, the best of Golovkin batters Mungia, but we aren't seeing the best of Golovkin now. So I'm interested to see how Golovkin looks uh, against Murata. And of course, if he goes in there and he wins that unification fight and he can't get that Canelo fight, which is the one he's still crazed, then why not go and fight Munguia? And listen, Munguia, like you said, he, he, he's work great. He could outwork an old guy like Golovkin if Golovkin's not at it. It could happen. And that was be that would be his best route to victory. He's not going to stop Golovkin, in my opinion. No. He, he, he's, he, 
he does hit fairly hard, but like you said, he couldn't stop he couldn't stop Rosado. So why would we think he's going to go in there and stop stop Golovkin? Old or not, I, I can't no see it happening. But no. look, he could outwork him, and, and like you said, against someone like Charlo, his work rate would be key in that one as well. And maybe maybe that that could be a a, a good factor in him in in that fight. But I think, like I said yesterday, Dave, I think when when it comes to Golovkin, when it comes to Charlo, and when it comes to Andre, they're they're head and shoulders above anyone that that Monkey has fought. And I think that he, he's stepping up to that next level there. And I I personally think against all three of them, I think he comes up short. Personally, I think he's going in there with with Charlo, uh, one of the best jabs in boxing. Golovkin the same as well, and obviously a very experienced fighter. Hits hard. And then, then we look at Andrade, and I think if they really fancied that Andrade fight, they they would have taken that fight. They would yeah. have looked at getting that WBO mandatory position. And if they don't look towards that now, it kind of shows you that they don't fancy that fight. And they look at him and think, not the sort of style that's going to match up with Munguia, and he's going to be he's going to be a tough opponent to look good against. And I don't think that's the sort of fight they will be looking for. So it'll be interesting, Dave. But like I said, if he went in with any of the three next. I wouldn't fancy him. I wouldn't favour him any no. of them. But listen, he, the, the improvements are there. So maybe if he continues upon this path and he, he does get an old Golovkin or he does get in there with an Andrade who, who's desperate for a fight, who knows? Who knows? He he, he could he could shock us and, and go and get that win. But I think we spoke about yesterday as well, Dave, um, and you mentioned it there, Gabe Rosado, tough fighter, um, very good fighter throughout his career, but he, he's not the guideline to tell us whether he's going to beat one of these top guys. He, he's not that. But someone like Sergei Derevinchenko, who we mentioned yesterday, he would yeah. be. If he went, Mungir went in there with Derevinchenko next and he beat Derevinchenko, that's a real good win. And we've seen Derevinchenko in really good fights with Golovkin. A lot of people think he won that. And of course, uh, we've seen him in a good fight with Charlo as well. Um, not quite as close as the Golovkin fight, but still a very good fight. Um, and Danny Jacobs as well. So, look, Derevinchenko will be a great opponent for him. And I'm, I think that's the one they should be looking towards making. And th that's going to tell us a lot more about him. And then then they can look towards maybe going after one of those other guys. And maybe one of those other guys will move up and a belt will become vacant and he gets to jump in and fight for a vacant belt. Not the best way to win a title, but <laughs> who knows, Dave. But um, we'll have to see. But another man we spoke about... Um, who fought at the weekend as well was David Benavides. And listen, we're both in agreement that that he's he's Canelo's toughest test at 100, uh, 168 pounds. He's by far his toughest test. Now, Canelo's gone through the champions, as what you do. Benavides gave up his belt through unprofessional behaviour, as we spoke about, Dave. So he's only got himself to blame on that front. Um, and, and he needs to start fighting some top-level opponents now, regardless whether it's Canelo or not. If he doesn't get the Canelo fight next, I want to see Benavidez go and get a top-level opponent because he hasn't got those on his resume just yet. And I know he's young, and I know he's held that WBC title twice, but if he doesn't get that Canelo fight next, I do want to see him seek out a, a good fight. And look, there's not going to be too many keen on fighting him. Let's be honest, he's a big guy. He does hit hard. He has got speed. Those combinations, once he gets them flowing, it's not easy to get away from. But, yeah, we've spoken about on many occasions about people waiting for that Canelo fight day. So if he doesn't get that Canelo fight, let's go and see him fight one of the other guys in and around that. And let, let's see him get some names on his resume. But, look, we spoke about how a Canelo fight would go. If he was the man to fight Canelo next day, and it, it was Cinco de Mayo, Canelo against David Benavidez, how do you see that fight going? 
That's a massive element. And, and it all points at the right fight, the Cinco de Mayo angle, the... Benavidez looked brilliant, obviously, we just mentioned it's not his best opponent, it's not the best fighter out there, but he'd never been stopped, and Benavidez just fucking did a demolished job, and that's what you want to see, it's alright going in and saying these fighters are fighting people that, you know, we don't want to see him fight at this stage, but he's doing all the right things, he's, he's knocking them out, he, you see the, the deficiencies in his game, which he does have, but he's tough, he's strong, he's fast, he doesn't give a fuck, he'll, he'll let his hands go, and there's four ingredients there where I felt others that have fought Canelo let themselves down. Billy Joe tried the back foot tactical decision, which he, he, he just gassed himself out in the end because mentioned it yesterday. Canelo's like, he, he's the old music trick. He'll stay just on the edge of range. He'll have you mentally exhausted. He controls the distance. And if you're controlling the distance, you're controlling the fight. And he does that so well, Canelo. People talk his footwork's a bit plodding, a bit not the best. It's not that bad because he stays just there. And, and, and the opposition's thinking, what's he doing next? Where's he throwing? Because he sets up feints. So you cannot relax for one minute. And I think that exhausted Billy John, obviously the uppercut just absolutely ended his night. Callum Smith, again, long-rangey fighter, had advantages there, clear advantages. The fucking face-off looked almost comical. It was crazy how much bigger he was. But again, Canelo could walk it down. He could get through that long-range fight. And it got to the point where Smith just didn't fancy it anymore because he couldn't absorb the onslaught. But I think Benavidez can. Benavidez has got an engine. Benavidez can take punishment. Benavidez can give punishment. And he just seems to have that mental makeup where maybe it's not it's not taught in boxing. He's just a fighter. He he likes to fight. He's got that. He's, we say he's got the dog in him. He's definitely got the fucking dog in him. He loves to fight. He's not going to back off. He's not going to shell up and, and, and not want it anymore. He's going to go after Canelo. You hit me. I'll fucking come to it you then. And that's his mentality. Like you said, the only thing that's letting him down at this point is we've no real benchmark fight where we can say he is that good. We can only go off what he's shown us against a limited opposition he's faced. But what I've seen so far, I'm more than confident that he can make a fight with Canelo far more interesting than the last three champions did. Can he beat him? I just can't see anybody beating Canelo. I said it yesterday. He just seems to... I'm sure he'd tell you it's not easy, but at times he seems to make it look easy, like he's having just so much fun in there. And I, I, I'm questioning Benavidez's commitment to the game. I know he was allowed to come in at 169 on Saturday night. Coming at 168 and shut these people up that say you can't make weight. Why are you not coming in at 168? Is there a problem coming in at 168? You're leaving questions there. Obviously, his previous behaviour outside the ring with his partying lifestyle and things like that, is that still going on? Canelo, every time you see a Canelo video, he's either got a shirt ringing with sweat or he's hitting an heavy bag or pads. He is the life. He lives a boxing life. Benavides just doesn't seem to. Will a Canelo, a Canelo fight make him, you know, he's fighting the best fighter on the planet. If this doesn't make him nail down and get in that gym and give everything, nothing will. But while he's shown a lack of discipline in the past, people are always going to question that. On the night, I can... See, a very, very tough fight, and I'm sure Canelo will say I've been in a fucking good fight there, but I think Canelo would come through it. Yeah, and Dave, it's like we said, it's hard to see anybody beating Canelo at 168 pounds, and we've spoken about this a few times on here now, Dave. And look, you've just mentioned about 
Benavidez possibly being his toughest night and the sort of reasons why. And we've got Kaiser Cobra on the screen here saying that he thinks that Benavidez will try and slug it out with Canelo. Uh, no one's really done that super middleweight. You've just mentioned what uh, the tactics of Billy Joe Saunders, um, yeah. Callum Smith and Caleb Plant come in with. So it's something different. And he says that um, Canelo might be on the back foot for a big portion for the first time since uh, Golovkin. Um, and look, it, this it, this is true. And he is going to come up against someone with a little bit more power than than, he, than he's been coming up against. And people say as soon as Canelo comes up against a heavy hitter, that's going to be it. That's going to be yeah, the end of it. And of course, that's not the case. We've seen him in with Golovkin at 160 when he moved up from 154 pounds. And Golovkin hits hard. And, and and just as hard as, listen, almost any 168-pound fighter, yeah. I can tell you that now. He probably hits harder than the majority up there. Um, so he can take a punch. We know that. It's not just the case of you need to be able to hit hard to beat Canelo. You need a little bit more than just <laughs> to hit hard. But you do need the power to get his respect. You definitely need the power to keep him honest. And Benavides has got that. Benavides can keep him off of him a little bit more than the likes of Plant and Saunders and Smith could do. But... There are still issues when it comes to his defence. And and yeah. as we know, Canelo's such a smart fighter and he will find the ways in. We know he will find the ways in. And one route I think he's got, and it's a favoured route of his, is to the body against Benavides. And I think he's open to be hit to the body. And I think if he's not in great shape, which he isn't always, as you've just mentioned, those body shots will take his toll on him. And oh, I yeah. think regardless of how quick he is and how hard he hits, Canelo's going to slow him down. And um, and that power will, will, will drain throughout that fight. And those combinations won't be so quick going into the later stages of the fight because of those body shots he's going to be feeling. And Canelo will be ripping those body shots in. And he's been speaking about um, they're working on his jab because they can keep Canelo behind the jab because he's so much taller than him and so on. But look, height's not going to beat Canelo. It's not. There's so much more to to it than just being taller than him, as we found out in other fights. So I just think defensively, I think that's where Benavides is going to come and start. But I think it's an exciting fight. And I think for the first six rounds or so in particular, there could be some moments where people are thinking, hold on a sec. He might be the man to do this. He could be because he could be landing those big combinations, those quick combinations. But I think Canelo will find a way, like he does. I think Canelo will find a way. And I think his route to the body is, is going to be a big reason why um, he stops Benavidez late. I'm saying stops. Let's see if he if his fight is made and Benavidez can tough it out and, and see the end of the fight. But I think Canelo will break him down and... I don't know. I'm I'm not going to make a prediction in, until the fight um, obviously takes place in terms of what round I think it will happen and so on. But I think I think Canelo would stop him, and I think those body shots are going to be where where he does it, and he's going to really break him down. Dave. But look, it, it's the fight we want to see at 168, and we've heard um, Eddie Reynoso today. He's saying about the the options: Bertubiev, uh, Bivol, Charlo, and Benavidez. And listen, if it's any one of those four next, nobody's complaining. We're all happy no. with those list of opponents. So I, I don't know, though. I, I kind of think out of those four, we're more likely to see Bivol. But then if he sticks on the PBC shows, the Showtime shows, then Benavides and Charlo are the ones he's got to go for. And I, I'd love it to be Benavides next. And I really hope and I'm sure uh, most other people do as well. So let's see how it goes on that, Dave. Um but of course, we know Canelo's just got options just crawling out yeah. of his ears. So <laughs> it's a man. It, it, there's, there's no rush. The UFC won't, buddy. <laughs> the, the UFC just keep he, mentioning it. <laughs> this is it. And, and of course, he's um, 
he, he's back out in May, so there's a little bit of time. So I'm interested to see when his next fight will actually be announced. A lot of these fights tend to be announced quite close to the time. Last mate, minute. And we don't <laughs> tend to get too much, uh, too much in between. So it'll be interesting to see if we can get an early announcement for the May date. It, uh, but of course, I'm, I'm sure with Canelo and his team, they're, they're going to keep their options as open as possible. So he's going to keep people on those sidelines waiting. So I don't know if we're going to see many of those guys chasing him out out before May um, in case they think, oh, I might lose out on this chance here. So they might wait until <laughs> his next fight is actually announced before they announce their next fight. I think that's the way it's going to work, Dave. And I think there's a long list of fighters who are going to fit, it, uh, fit into that. Of course, we're going to see uh, Bertabiev and Bivol fighting soon, not against each other as, as much as we'd want it. But yeah. they're going to be up. <laughs> Um, I don't know. We're going to see Charlo out again. We've not seen him for some time. It'll be interesting to see. But I don't think once they've had those fights, I can't see them taking another fight until Canelo's next fight is announced. Yeah. And I think that's the way it's going to be for a, for a lot of fighters. And look, uh, as as um, Kaiser Cobra has just uh, <laughs> just commented there, it's the payday. It's that it payday. You want payday? <laughs> payday? I know that. So look. Let's see who gets that payday and good luck to them all. But um, I want to see these guys push on their careers and I'm sure you do as well, Dave. But yeah. we're going to finish up by talking about the briefly. We'll talk about the Zone UK card, Dave, the matchroom card. And of course, there was a couple of shots on there. Um, one huge shock, I would say. And the other, I don't think was a, as big a shock to me uh, and, and some people as what it was to, to, to maybe others. But um, the big shock was Kid Galahad getting knocked out by Kiko Martinez. That was a huge shock. Um, most people saw that as a, a routine fight, a, a cherry pick, so to speak, to get him defending his title in front of his home crowd, get an easy win, probably get a stoppage win of an old fighter who's been a champion, but he's been beaten quite a few times um, over the last few years. And I know he had that that uh, robbery against uh, Zelfa Barrett, Zelfa, yeah. but... Nobody expected him to go in there and knock out Kid Galahad, did they, Dave? <laughs> oh, it was a design card that shouldn't have delivered. That fucking did deliver. And it wasn't by design, it was by pure fault. Suddenly, the build-up to the fight, Martinez gets ranked in the top 15 with the IBF. He, he gets a homecoming. You know, he wants to get Sheffield out to see Kid Galahad defend his title. He's going to look great against this old-age washed warrior. And, and everybody's going to go for champagne. And then Kiko Martinez says, I ain't read that fucking script, mate. I'm not down with that script. The telltale sign, which I didn't take as a telltale sign, to be honest, was the weight on the scales. A point one over, you're thinking, point one, you've, you've had a glass of water or something when you shouldn't have, it's nothing. So I didn't really read too much into it. And it didn't look like it was a problem. My, uh, Kid Galahad wasn't struggling in that fight up until the end of the fifth round when he got fucking dropped. Everything just seemed to be going his way, he was boxing how he expected. He was... Probably his output was a bit more than we sometimes see from him. He, he, he has a name for being a bit of a boring fighter. He was letting his hands go. I was enjoying watching him. I had one eye on that. I was fucking about on laptop. I wasn't really paying too much attention. And then you heard the commentator start. You're like, fucking hell, he's down. And, and that knockdown at the end of the fifth wasn't a light knockdown. And I'm thinking, it's at the end of the round. You've got a minute now. Get in that corner. Sort your fucking head out because... This is Martinez's final lap. If he, if you can get through this, you'll piss the rest of the fight. Because Martinez is going to blow the Lord now. It's his only chance. And then the very first punch of that next round, and he's out, out. He's not, 
you know, she'll be letting carry on having a look at him. It's not even a count, it's hands big, right, Big overhand, yeah. right. Same shot, him. mate. Same yeah. shot. Same shot. You should have known it was coming. And then you see over Twitter. He, he definitely wasn't with it going into that round, though. No, no. His legs weren't there. His yeah. head were buzzed. Dominic's got to let him go back out as a champion in a fight that he should be winning. You yeah. can't pull him out, can you? You've got to let him give him his chance, but... He, he proved the very next shot. I'm sure Dominic would have said to him, he's going to fucking try and do that again. Don't back out on a straight line. Either move forward and grab him or move to the side. Do not back out. The very first thing he does, he stands stationary in front of him, lets a shot go on Martinez. He's like, fucking and, bingo, man. And Dave, look, this this is the thing. Look, at world level, you, you can't afford to make mistakes. And he might have got away with some of these mistakes at lower levels before he was a world champion, Dave. But look, Kiko Martinez, he might be old. He, he might have suffered quite a few losses on his resume, but he's been a world champion. And you switch off against these guys, they are going to punish you. And he got incredibly sloppy. And we've spoken about in the past about how good he can be defensively and about how awkward of a fighter he can be. And, and then he yeah. started to add different different parts of his game. And he looked like he was starting to increase his output over recent fights. He looks like he's hitting a little bit harder and so on. And he started to look like a really good fighter, did Kid Galahad. But this is a massive setback. And that moment of sloppiness really cost him. And I, I do think he took Martinez lightly. And I do think, uh, yeah. as on the screen there, it was a cherry pick gone wrong. They, they expected it to just be a walkover fight, an easy win for him. But he's taken him lightly. And look, I'm not going to give him the excuse of the weight, but may, may, maybe he does need to move up. And let, let's be honest, if he does move up, that division's not going to get any easier, Dave. And I don't see a, I don't see a world title for him there. And look, he, he was talking about winning this fight and then looking at uh, Navarrete. And you just yeah. think if, if he was in there with Navarrete, you imagine what he would have done to him in there as well, Dave, if, if, yeah. if Martinez has done that. It could have been even more damaging. But look, it, it, it's a... It is a damaging KO, and those sort of KOs are not easy to recover from and come back from. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And I know we've seen it in, in recent years with uh, Joshua coming back after losing the Ruiz fight and Warrington getting back in there with Lara. So do you think it's it's something within uh, Galahad's interest to come back, try and win that world title and take that immediate rematch? Look, we know Eddie Hearn's got a rematch. He's got a rematch for every fight. So um, do you think he should take that rematch? it's a difficult one because they're blaming the weight and apparently he's confirmed today Galahad he's activated the rematch clause now if the fucking weight's a problem why are you activating the rematch clause you, you can't work both ways the weight's a problem and you move up or it's not a problem and you regain your title that's questions he's got to ask himself but I don't think the weight is a problem I think he, like you've just mentioned it's party time this guy's fucking nobody it's a Mike Tyson in Japan fighting Buster Douglas scenario I'm going to brothel, I'm not going to gym today. I'm not saying fucking Kid Galahad's messing around in brothels, but it's that sort of mindset. You're not going to the gym giving everything because you're thinking, fucking Kiko Martinez, like Kaiser said there, fucking Quiggy slapped him years ago, you know. And yeah, all right, he was unlucky against Zelfa Barrett, but Zelfa Barrett's hardly the gauge of where he's a fight is at. Stopped by Santa you know, Cruz he, as well, wasn't he? Stopped, stopped by, by Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz. He yeah. hasn't really hit too hard. Stopped by um, Gary Russell Jr., so... Quick walk from his house to that fight. A lot, well. losses, <laughs> lot of losses on that record, Dave. And it, it's, That's it. It, it. It is, look, he's taken him lightly, Dave, but to, to get beat like that, you know, 
it's well, going to be a tough one to come. Do you, think he's going to take, do you think he's going to take the rematch, Dave? I think the fact that he he was having so much his own way up until he wasn't, when he got fucking tagged big, tells him that, I'm just going to go back in there. I, just, I know what I've done wrong. Oh, of course I know, he can beat him, yeah. Yeah, I know what I've done him. wrong. I, I know where I went wrong. And I need to stop being a prick and thinking this is a walkover because it's it, there's no walkovers at that level or there's very limited walkovers at that level. Mm. If you, if you're not up to it, if you if you're not put the Browns in in the gym, it'll show on the night, especially against yeah. oh, Kiko. He, 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 you wouldn't expect him to win, but you you know he knows all the tricks in the books. He's not a mug. He's not a walkover. He should have been a walkover. And like yep. you said, Kiko was looking well against Dickens in his last fight. I thought he was well improved. He was looking great. And it, it can only be he's, he's come for the Sheffield party and he's been more interested yeah. in, in, in what's coming after this and never at his order. And yeah, but you think he, even if he comes back and he, he wins the rematch, he regains the title, those vulnerabilities are going to be there now. And other fighters are going to be looking at him thinking, get me in with him. I want to fight him. Yeah. And, and we've spoken about how awkward of an opponent he can be and how difficult it would be. We saw the Josh Warrington fight. It, it wasn't a great watch. We know that, Dave. But... Is it is it the case of when when he wants to open up and he wants to become a little bit more of an aggressive fighter himself, he's going to leave himself vulnerable rather yeah. than being that that let not not say boring, but that that tricky, that awkward, that um, nasty fighter to come up against who's just going to be all over you and and just slow the fight down and and not make it the greatest watch. So the vulnerability is going to be there now, Dave and. Like I said, the other champions, they're going to look at him and they're going to think, fuck me, get me in with Galahad if he wins that title. Navarati <laughs> must be so. fucking pissing himself. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and look, we once a, once a man's been stopped like that as well, Dave, it's not easy to come yeah. back from at the end of the day. But we look, what have we got? We've got Lee Wood, um, he's fighting Conlon, isn't he? And yeah. then the winner, the winner will be fighting Santa Cruz if he decides to come back to the weight and defend the belt. If not, obviously, the winner of that will probably be um, elevated to to super champ for WBA. Uh, Navarretti, all of those guys should be staying clear of him right now. Yeah. He might be moving up to fight Oscar Valdez himself. Uh, I don't know what Gary Russell Jr. is doing. Nobody knows what he's doing at the moment. I'd love to see him back because he is a good fighter. But look, who knows? But it, it's Galahad, it, he's got to take that rematch. If he doesn't take yeah. that rematch, I don't fancy his chances moving up. So... It'd be interesting to see, Dave. But um, Terry Harper, of course, she was beaten. Um, she lost her world title. And and one thing I do want to point out, it was a very good stoppage from the referee. Very good stoppage. Now, th those people in the arena, some in the arena, they were booing and so on. I don't think they sort of gathered. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they sort of gathered what had actually happened. On the TV yeah. screens, you literally, we saw her, saw her just Froze freezing her track. She yeah. was out on her feet. And even once she had been stopped and they were over talking to her, you could see her eyes weren't there. She was all over the place. And listen, that, that could have been very damaging if the referee allowed Bob Gardiner to land another telling punch because she was gone, absolutely gone. And it was a big shot and, and credit to her yeah. for, for, for landing that shot and obviously stopping her in that way. We don't see many stoppages in, in the women's game, but she seems to hit hard. Uh, but yeah, great stoppage from the referee, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Mark Lyson, he, he's had his critics in the past, but you can't fault him there. Like you say, mate, if you're watching it from the arena, you know yourself, you don't always get the best angle if somebody's in the way, if the referee's in the way, or the other fighter's in the way. So it would have just looked like Terry had caught one and the referee had intervened. 
but you see her visibly, her hands by her side, and she's stationary. And of course, Bond Garden did what she went to do. She went to follow it up. Of course you would. You fight to the bell, you fight to the referee's command. The referee actually took shot, part of that shot because she threw that swinging left. She did, she'd landed with the right, froze her, and she was coming round the left to catch her again. Uh, and Lyson steps in. Unbelievable reactions. He jumps straight in there, sort of parries a bit of the shot, and she still gets caught, Harper, and it sort of... It unfreezes her. It brings her back round because then she starts walking back and the ref's holding her. You can see she she's nowhere near with it. But I think this defeat came long before then two fighters got in that ring. And I know a lot of people have said it since. And I watched the weigh-in more just to see what shape uh, Kiko Martinez came in thinking. Is he just coming to play the part of the villain and, and the to lose and go home? And she was pale, mate. She looked genuinely terrified. Yeah, now, so when she fought yeah, John... Yeah. When she fought Jonas, it was in the garden. She didn't have that pressure. You know, the fans weren't there. It was a much more relaxed atmosphere. Now, Sheffield wasn't full, don't get me wrong. We know the ticket sales was fucking dire. But it was still a crowd. There was a crowd at the weigh-in. There was a crowd at the fight. And even An on a... crowd as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She went in as a favourite. The pressure's on. And I just don't think she's capable of carrying that pressure. Uh on the a ring walk, you seen Bung Garden was dancing. She was like, I am fucking living this up. This is my big night. I've, I'm going to do a job here. And she even mentioned after the fight, I seen she was fragile. So I played up because if you see him at the weigh-in, she's smiling. She's talking to her. And, and Terry just looked like yeah. she, she didn't look like the champion. She didn't. She looked too like she thinking. Too much talk of the undisputed fight when there's Fuck still another belt to get yeah. before even getting Michaela Meyer and so on as well. Yeah, there was far too much talk of that as well, and that don't help going in either, does it? No, mate? no, and, and there's a lot of talk that she doesn't run a social media account now. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I know that when you see her on camera and you and you hear people speak. About but she's very quiet, she's very nice. And I'm sorry, boxing's not a sport for nice people. You're nice in this sport, you're going to get fucking screwed over either inside the ring or outside the ring. It's a nasty sport and she hasn't got that evil streak, which isn't a bad thing for a, for a human being. She, she seems like a really nice person. But you've got to have that little bit of fucking anger, that little bit of evil in you. And I don't think she's got it. Yeah, she's done well. I, I and with that, Dave, uh, unlike with Galahad, who I think if he did come back and take the rematch, he could win that fight. I don't get the same impression with Harper. I think no. that's going to be a very damaging defeat. And I think she'll be even more wary of the power of Bone Gardner if they fought again. And I, I wouldn't fancy her. I'd fancy her to get stopped again in the rematch. Is that, is that how you think it would go as well, Dave? Yeah, even prior to the stoppage, it wasn't a Kiko Martinez you know, lottery shot. I'm not saying it was a lucky shot for Martinez. I'm sure he studied the tape and he's seen that uh, Galahad was exiting in straight lines and, and his hands were low. I'm sure he, he, it was planned. But Bumgarden, she she won every part of that fight. It's, it, Terry Harper can't come away with a solace that was. I was fucking stupid there. I knew that shot was coming and I've let myself down. She got battered, mate. Top and bottom of it, she got battered. and yeah. uh, she, I think that will mentally play on her. Of course it will. And to go back in with her straight away, she suffers the same fate. That might be the end of, of her career, you know. Maybe it might be better to just fuck that undisputed off, let Bungard and Mayer and, and the rest do Amadouche and, and all those do what they need to do. I'll rebuild and I'll come back a better fighter because if I jump straight back in now... That could I, be I, it. I, it's a bad place, bad place. Yeah.
Yeah, I'd be surprised if she, if, she, if she took the rematch on the back of that, Dave. I would be really Stupid. surprised. Like you said, if it, if it was just a case of, of being caught with a shot and being stopped, maybe. But yeah. she was she was losing that fight regardless. Battered, mate. Battered. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be wise for her to go in for that rematch, in my opinion. But look, it's there, as we know, with Eddie Hearn. It's always there, the possibility of a rematch. So I do want to finish by talking about Eddie Hearn, Dave. Um, people obviously give him a lot of stick on, on social media and he would have a, he had a hell of a lot of stick based off of this. People saying Eddie's in hell or whatever, because, of course, he, he, he's lost he's lost two world titles there. But we say he's lost two world titles, but is is Eddie fuming or is it the case of uh, the, the winner stays on process coming in to save the day again? Because we know Martinez is with Matchroom now. So he hasn't lost the world title there. He's still got that world title. He's just lost the UK world champion. Um, but as, as regards to Bob Gardner, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if she signed with Matchroom as well. Would you, Dave? Someone will be looking to snap her up after that because, like you mentioned before, the female game doesn't have that type of fighter. You don't see that week in, week out. You don't see hard-hitting. Sav Marshall is another version, someone who hits. But Bob Gardner seems to... No disrespect to Sav Marshall. She's not very marketable outside the ring. I don't think she, she seems to have that character that, that Bungarden does. She, she's full of energy. She's lively. She's loud. She's everything you want to see in a fighter. And inside the ring, she, she backs it up. She fucking, she went in there and she did what she said she was going to do. So she's so marketable. She's at a weight in women's boxing that is a good weight. There's some good contenders out there and people like that i'm not big into the women's game but i enjoyed what i saw that night because i saw a fighter who said i'm in the uk to take my opportunity i have nothing to lose here people have wrote me off watch this i'm going and i like that in a fighter you know balls down let's go uh, yeah. and you know if matt dream haven't signed her somebody definitely will but eddie's definitely going to cash in on on the kiko martinez uh, Definitely. Kigal had rematch. Regardless of whether it was a rematch, he's he's going to have him in there with. Well, he's got the winner, fighters, out, yeah. isn't he? So yeah, he, 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 Lara after Warrington. As, and... as much as he he would have earned more from Galahad having a unification with someone than what he would with Martinez, he, he's still not losing at the end of the day. There is he? So no. he, he he's upset, but he kind of he's kind of got the back up there with these yeah, rematches he... and these winner stays on. He, He's always looking out for for what he's got to to stick behind that, so he doesn't really lose out completely unless they lose the second fight or the fighter that beats him doesn't end up signing with him. So it's an interesting <laughs> one with these matchroom cars, isn't it, Dave? But as for for Bum Gardner, just to go back to her before we finish, um, she's she seems good on social media as well. She puts a lot of tweets out. Yeah. And she's quite. Um, she, she speaks quite well and she's very confident. And I saw her put out a tweet today. She's praising the UK fans and the, yeah, the support she's yeah. had from over here. So she's obviously planting that seed that she could come back over again as well. I think when it comes to women's boxing, the UK is, is a strong place for women yeah. fighters to come. And as we know that, as we've seen um, Clarissa Shields coming over here now to fight on uh, Sky Sports with Boxer and so on. So when it comes to the men, of course, uh, the US is the place and that's where you're going to earn the most money. But I think in terms of women's boxing, I think the UK at the moment is where the money seems to be at. Of course, with Eddie Hearn putting a lot of uh, effort into it as well. So be interesting to see, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if she signs with Matchroom. But I would be surprised if that rematch happens, if it doesn't. There's other fights out there for her, Dave. But look, we're going to leave it there, Dave. Um, as always, pleasure. Uh, thanks yeah. to anyone who tuned in uh, via YouTube. 
thanks to anyone who's listened along um, via the audio platforms. And if you are tuned in uh, via the YouTube video on a, on a late recording, um, if you can do us a favor and, and hit that subscribe button and, and, and share on any platforms uh, that you possibly can. And we really appreciate that. But Dave, looking forward to the big fight, Crawford against Porter. It's going to deliver and I can't wait for it. So take care, everyone. Any final words, Dave? Yeah. Uh, are, we, are we going Sunday? Bit of a live to go over the fight. Oh, of course, we'll be back for that. I need to speak about the aftermath of Crawford and Porter. So we'll be back. You're going to be on go over. Um, well, uh, probably. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back live on Sunday. Um, yeah. I, won't, I won't say the time just yet. We'll aim no. for two, three o'clock, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, and I'll put it out on on Twitter, and um, we'll, we'll 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 think of a time. But anyway, um, yeah. take care. Um, enjoy the week, and and look, enjoy the bloody fight at the weekend because it's going to be a good one. <laughs> see you later.